Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's going on, Spence? Christian, what's not, up? Not a whole lot. We got Christian Ernst on the other side. What is up, y'all? We got an action-packed show. Last show before we do our mock draft sometime early next week. A little tease for the listening audience there. But first, we'll start with the NFL, where it, it had been boiling for a few days that this was a likely option. Um, you know, Debo Samuel contracts running out. He's in his final year. And he has officially requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, reportedly, he didn't want to get into it with, you know, Jeff Darlington, was who originally broke the news. Uh, later kind of trickled, trickled out that he was upset with how he was being utilized in San Francisco, which if you look at any 49ers games down the stretch, you know that he went from a primary wide receiver to being used more of like a dual threat running back wide receiver combo. And I guess, you know, reading between the lines there, Debo did not want to be utilized in the running back capacity as much as he was. Um, kind of a shame because, you know, he is a fame, a, a great player and can do both but you know it's his decision he wants to be utilized as a receiver i guess he thinks that getting out of shanahan's offense and san francisco is the way to go uh don't know if there's any way that they could mend the relationship that's something we can monitor going forward we are a week out from the draft which it's kind of fascinating that can san francisco would would they even try to trade debo acquire at least a first round pick this year from somebody some more picks, or they wait to the offseason. And also, I mean, Christian, I know you're going to get to this probably in a bit with your draft preview. Even last week, you kind of touched on it. The wide is pretty deep this year. So, San Fran could afford, you know, maybe let Debo walk, not pay him that much money, get a cheap wide receiver. I think other teams might be looking for that too. Um, when they're weighing their options, should we go try to get Debo and, you know, pay him a lot of money, or should we go for a younger receiver in the draft? It's something that team sky departments and GMs are going to monitor over the next week or so. Um, so I'll go to Christian next. Your thoughts, Debo Samuel requesting a trade from San Francisco. Um, that that's big shocking news. Of, of course, everybody um, is kind of like intrigued on where Debo will go. Uh, I've seen pretty much every NFL team you can possibly imagine besides the Minnesota Vikings. Um, oh, he could be great in Detroit. Oh my God. In Chicago, Green Bay, L.A., New England, like everywhere I have seen. Um, and Green Bay, obviously, one of those big names. Would I like that? I think I would. Debo Samuel wants to be a wide receiver. He's one of these guys, and I heard this on the radio this morning, listening to ESPN, and what uh, they were you know, calling Debo was a jack-of-all-trades, but if you ever heard of the quote, it's a jack-of-all-trades, but master at none. But at the same time, if you're really good, if you're really good at a lot, but you're not great at anything, I'd still take a really good guy who can do a bunch instead of one guy who can do this really amazing, but then other than that, he's not so good. Debo Samuel is a really good wide receiver. He is. He's not A.J. Brown level. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not D-Hop. 
He's not one of these guys I'm like, okay, this is like the best wide receiver. He's arguably top 15. Arguably top 15. But Debo Samuel, if he gets straight into a team like Green Bay, like New England, he would definitely be the number one guy. There's no doubt about that. San Francisco, he is the number one guy in San Francisco. I'm looking at the wide receivers right now that they could go after. But, like, would you would you risk that a first-round pick? And, by the way, San Francisco doesn't have a first-round pick this year. They won't pick until, like, the end of the second round. And will they go wide receiver? Will they go sec- uh, secondary, which I think they really do need? Like, you, you really don't know what San Francisco is going to do. Are they going to trade them, you know, that night to try and trade up? Possibly. Um. Could a team with an extra first-round pick give one to San Fran for Debo? We'll see. Um, But it's definitely one of those things like it's awful for San Francisco losing Debo Samuel. And now the NFC West, last year I called it the best division in football. It's got a rebuilding team in Seattle. San Francisco – has a really nice defense, but does look, you know, helpless on offense. And then you got Arizona with the Kyler Murray situation. You got the defending champ, L.A. Rams, that def- that definitely needs some O-line help. I mean, it's definitely going to be an interesting division. Rams are probably going to win it, but, you know, with Debo possibly out of San Francisco, this is, is going to hurt them. Yeah. Dolan, I know you were very excited because, you know, San Francisco being the same division as the Rams. So, uh, your thoughts when, you know, you saw the trade, your thoughts on uh, the impact in the NFC West? Um, ooh, big impact. Debo's a dynamic player. And, you know, I think if he wants his money, you pay the man. You just pay him. He wants to be paid like a top wide receiver, pay him like a top wide receiver. Just know that you now, because of that, you're not going to be able to have the money to use it to other places of need. So, yeah, going to be. I mean, it's know. totally up to you. I mean, I'm just saying, like, Debo, he's he's used in the H back formation or whatever. And, you know, it's running back. I mean, he's tough, man. Take it from me, a fan who's watched this team play against Debo and play against the physicality that the 49ers play with, I mean, it's tough to defend. It really is. And I think, you know, Minnesota's going to make a mistake – or, excuse me, not Minnesota. Uh, San Francisco's going to make a mistake uh, if they don't if they don't pay this man, it seems like. It seems like Debo, everything goes through Debo. It seems like, you know, San Francisco is they, – they pretty much go as far as Debo goes. And, you know, in terms of performances and – the games we saw that in the NFC Championship game this past season. I mean, we saw, you know, the impact that Debo had, and you know, as soon as you know you get physical with Debo, things change. And so, um, yeah, I think if 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 for some reason Debo is not on the San Francisco 49ers this next season, I think that'll be okay. That'll be perfectly fine. They can go another way, try to draft a wide receiver. Do what you're going to do, man. Do what you're going to do. But I think whoever gets Debo, whoever has Debo for the 2023 NFL season or 2020, 
two. Thank you, Dalton. Um, there they'll have they'll have a good wide receiver, uh, a number one wide receiver. So, yeah, uh, definitely gonna be fascinating. Like I said, to monitor the next week because draft night is a week from today, April twenty eighth. So, okay, wait and see. And of course, if something does happen, we obviously will give our thoughts and reactions on the show. Now, Christian, last week you did the AFC. This week, if I understand correctly, you have the NFC on tap. Absolutely. So, like last week, I'm going to go north, south, east, west. I'm going to go by which team of those, you know, teams in the division have the first pick of the division. So, we're going to start with the NFC North, starting with the second overall pick behind the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions. Detroit and Green Bay in this division have two first-round picks. Now, like I mentioned, Green Bay possibly could possibly trade uh, one of the first-round picks to get Debo. Maybe, maybe not. But right now, Detroit, their big needs, quarterback. I mean, we all know who the former quarterback, who the quarterback is for Detroit. Former quarterback of one of our teams, Wink Wink Dalton Bishop's team. Uh, they probably should have a change of scenery in the future at quarterback. Defensive end, safety, running back, and wide receiver. Personally, I don't think running back and wide receiver is the biggest need of all. Um, I think offensive line, you know, helping out the offensive line with Finesse Soul and Frank Ragno would definitely be, you know, be good for Detroit. Um you know, I, I think a better secondary could definitely be in play. But I think the first pick that they are going to pick up is a defensive lineman. Now, is that going to be Aiden Hutchinson? Aiden is reportedly not the consensus first-round pick of the, you know, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, if Aiden isn't the first overall pick and say Trayvon Walker is defensive lineman out of Georgia. I think the Detroit has the biggest steal of the draft already at two going up against Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, I think he is the best defensive end in the class. I do not think he was the best player. You know, I like Evan, you know, I like Evan Neal. I like Kyle Hamilton. I like Sauce Gardner, you know, a little bit more. Aiden was a, you know, borderline first-round pick a year ago. He had an incredible, incredible year at Michigan. But I, th- I just think Evan Neal, Kyle Hamilton, Sauce Gardner, they've shown a little bit more consistency of being very good. Aiden just absolutely popped off. But I still think he's the best defensive lineman in the class. And him falling to two at Detroit would be a huge deal for them. And you don't, you don't hear that. You know, like – Oh, you have the second overall overall pick, and it's a steal. Like Trayvon Walker, you know Trayvon Walker. There's a reason he's climbed up boards, but best overall just right now. If I'm wrong five years in the future, I'm wrong. I'm not gonna be Mel Kiper, where I'm gonna say if this guy's a bust, I'm gonna retire, even though he hasn't retired yet. So I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. But anyway, uh, and I think quarterback, whoever it's gonna be. Whether it's Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, don't I think it's going to be one of those two possibly. Um, I don't know if one of them could get picked up. They possibly could 
get picked up. One, if not, maybe both. Uh, but I think quarterback will end the night for Detroit if they don't trade away that pick. Um, to get another fifth-year option on a quarterback at hand. Kind of what uh, happened with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they traded up. They got Lamar Jackson. And it's worked out pretty well for them. So, let's see what happens with Detroit at 32. The next pick are the Minnesota Vikings. They pick at 12. Now, they need, you know, they need cornerback. They need offensive line help. They need adult, you know, somewhat of a threat at tight end, defensive end, and linebacker. So they got Zadarius Smith. They just got him a former defensive lineman out of Green Bay. I don't think defensive end is going to be that big of a need anymore with getting Zadarius Smith. Now, they could go cornerback. And at 12, I think only one cornerback has the potential of going off the board, that being Sauce Gardner. I think Derek Stingley Jr., who at the beginning of the college football season, everyone thought Derek was the best cornerback. There's no debate about it, and it really wasn't a great class. I think there's a potential four cornerbacks that can go in the first round. A potential of four, I think, at most, at, you know, at most four, but... I think two are really top, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley. I think Derek falls to Minnesota. Now, Minnesota could go offensive lineman and pick Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, Dylan Parham, um, you know, Darian Kennard. They can go a lot of different ways for offensive line, but I think they want to get another, you know, strong secondary player like cornerback, especially in the division now. Even though they don't have the best wide receivers in the division, a good cornerback would still help out a lot, especially with everyone saying Green Bay, Debo Samuel, not a lock, but you, if you got to guard Debo twice, you know, twice a year, you're going to need um, a cornerback. The next are my Green Bay Packers. They have two first-round picks like Detroit. They have the 22nd, thanks to the Las Vegas Raiders, in the 28th, we should have had the 32nd, but that's just me. But wide receiver is the need. I do not care. Wide receiver is the need. At worst, I'll take a tight end. I want a weapon for Aaron Rodgers. We just lost the best. We just traded the best wide receiver in the NFL. He is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Cooper Cup, I understand he he has played like he is the best, but I think Devontae's just a tad bit more better, more crisp route running. You know, he's double covered and he still makes amazing plays. Cooper Cup's amazing plays, like, even though he's a very, very good corner, uh, corner wide receiver, the safety or corner just blow the absolute hell out of their coverage. And Cooper's, like, wide open, you know, 30 yards deep. Like, that. that's Cooper Cup. Like, their sec- like the secondary play is terrible whenever they play Cooper Cup. But wide receiver is the need. I do not care what people say. If we get Debo Samuel, if we get Debo, I don't care. You can go offensive line. You can go defense. We just got Debo Debo Dagum Samuel. So we basically, you know, that replaced the absolute talent of Devontae Adams. But it's pretty daggum good. But say if we go wide receiver, 
Say we go out, you know, we pick up Debo, go wide receiver. I would love if we would somehow get Jamison Williams. I would love it. I think Jamison Williams is the best wide receiver in the class. Yes, Garrett Wilson, incredible talent. Yes, Drake London was the only thing popping off at USC. Yes, Chris Olave broke the Ohio State receiving touchdown record. Jamison Williams, at full health, is the best wide receiver in this class. If he did not tear his ACL in the national championship game, the very final game of his college football career, he's number one. He's number one. He's the number one wide receiver on this board. And it's like, oh, it can be debatable. He's number one. He's so daggum quick. This is Tyreek. This is the next or the closest version of Tyreek Hill. This is the closest thing. Jamison Williams in a Green Bay Packer uniform with Debo Samuel, possibly? <sighs> Jeez, I love that. I would love that. If not, I think because a lot of people saying Jamison may get taken off before 22. I would love Traylon Burks. I would like him. Jaheen Dotson, more of a slot guy. He's really not the outside wide receiver at Penn State. He was winning the slot guy. Did very well in the slot. But everyone is really putting Christian Watson in this, and I, I can see why they like him. You know, you know he's a bigger kind of dude. Um, you, you know, he's 6'4", you know, 208 pounds. You know, he, he's got great speed and long arms for a wide receiver, you know, especially being 6'4". But just kind of like, uh, I don't know. And the reason why he's big now is because he had a really good senior bowl. Uh, Malik you know, Malik Willis, who's the top quarterback right now in this class. The only reason everyone's saying he's number one is because of senior bowl. Everyone did well at the senior bowl, apparently. But, I mean, North Dakota State, and I'm not saying that, like FCS players are, you know, not elite level. Right, but like Carson Wentz, you know, is kind of the latest version of FCS dude who's just kind of hit and miss. Cooper Cup, it took him a couple years to be really good. Like, Carson Wentz, he was thrown into the fire. He did all right. And then he kind of fell off, and everybody hates Carson Wentz. Is Christian going to possibly follow that path? Like, if Christian gets drafted in the very first round, we don't get Debell Samuel. Christian is going to be the number one wide receiver for Green Bay. He's going to be the guy. Like, there's no hiding. There's no developing. Christian's the guy. You pick up Jameson Williams. You pick up Traylon Burks. You pick up, you know, you trade up somehow and get, like, Chris Olave or something. I could – I have more confidence they could possibly carry that weight because they had to be the guy at Arkansas at Ohio State, at Alabama. But North Dakota State, not the greatest talent going up against you secondary-wise. I just have my questions. I have my doubts. The next pick in the final of the NFC North is the Chicago Bears. They do not have a first-round pick. They trade that to the New York uh, Giants. I almost said Jets. That's not right. The New York Giants because of the Justin Fields trade up. So, 
They do not have a first-round pick this year. We'll get to the Giants in a little bit. But they pick with the seventh pick in the second round. So they pick very early uh, on day two. O-line, wide receiver, defensive end, and linebacker. So I think they go offensive line. Now, again, I am predicting this as nobody trades up. If nobody in the NFL draft trades up, which will not happen. There's going to be trades, uh, you know, Thursday night, probably hours before the draft even starts. There's going to be trades. But I think Chicago is going to go offensive line. I just think. So, could they go tackle and protect, protect the man that is Justin Fields? Now, but uh, Bernhard... Ramon, I cannot pronounce names very well, so I may have butchered it. But Central Michigan's offensive tackle, um, he's one of the non-power five, uh, you know, non-power five Division one football tackle that is up a lot of people's boards, and I really like him too. Um, I like Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. I think these guys would be very solid left tackles. Uh, protecting Justin Fields back, and they could be, you know, I don't think cornerstone, especially in the second round, I don't think you'll get that kind of talent. But very plausible. I mean, Cam Robinson was a, I believe he was a second-round pick um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 20, I want to say 16, seven, uh, probably 17, because uh, he just got his fifth-year option. But, um it could happen, you know, as cornerstone at left tackle could really help Justin Fields and try to build that offensive line. It'd pretty much be the Cincinnati Bengals with Justin Fields instead of Joe Burrow, but it'd be something. So I think Chicago goes O-line first. They do need a wide receiver to replace Allen Robinson. They do need some better pass rushers, especially now Khalil Mack is in with the Chargers. They're going to need a lot of help up, you know, in the trenches and giving uh, Justin Fields a weapon. Now, I don't think they're going to get a really good weapon if they go wide receiver later on because they only have one second round pick. And you're waiting until about the mid third round pick, mid third round to get a wide receiver, even though this cost is very deep, mid third round, it could be, you know, it's a coin flip. Uh, oh my god, this guy can be really good, or uh, this guy's not really much. So now, with the NFC South. The first team that picks in the NFC South has a sixth overall pick, and that is the Carolina Panthers. Now, Carolina is an interesting position. Now, when we do this mock draft, I believe it's going to be Tuesday night, but we'll definitely work out the details uh, off screen. When we predict Carolina, I believe how we set this up, I'm going to pick Carolina's pick. So I'm going to go 3, 6, 9, 12, just for you guys uh, listening. I have Carolina's pick. Their needs are all offense and a linebacker. They need a quarterback. They need offensive line help. They need to give... Um, get their quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold or whoever they pick up. 
Uh, they need to give him another weapon, possibly a slot guy. You know, maybe in, you know, they don't pick until, I believe, the fourth round. Yes, Carolina does not have another pick. They have the sixth overall pick in the draft. They don't pick till close to the end of the fourth round. And if people want to know whose pick it is, L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams fourth round pick is the next pick of Carolina. So Carolina is not going to have the best draft of the NFL. I don't think he's, they're going to have the best draft of the NFC South. So this one pick is going to carry a lot of weight for people in the first two days. Now, again, this is if they don't trade – they don't trade up or anything else. They just keep their picks because, oh boy, is Carolina going to need a lot of help in these next couple drafts. And they're going to be at the bottom, you know, at the or top of the board next year. But I believe they're going to go well on. I believe they're going to go well on. I do not think they are going to waste the six round pick on a project right now because a six round pick is going to be worth about eight nine million a year and everyone is saying in Carolina Sam Donald is going to be a starting guy so you're going to you know waste a potential now like again these quarterbacks are not quarterbacks that everyone's saying yes start him day one Everyone's got issues. Kenny Pickett hand size. Malik Willis, he's played at Liberty. He couldn't he couldn't get the start against at Auburn. He had to leave Auburn to go to Liberty and play. And he did, you know, he hit and miss in a lot of these games. Matt Corral, attitude issues, and he like he's not a safe runner when he runs the football. Even though I believe Matt Corral is the best quarterback in this class, especially like arm talent. You know, accuracy, you know, yes, he, you know, has his hits and misses, but that no one's perfect. Macarell, I think, is the best quarterback in this class. I don't think they're going to go quarterback number six. If they do, great for them. You're going to need a lot of help, a lot of help at quarterback. You just lost your best offensive mind in Joe Brady. I, I, I do not remember where he actually went. Uh, Joe Brady. Joe Brady got fired. I know that much. He, well, he got like, yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't want to say fire, but like, he he's, just, he just didn't want to. He's the Bills now. The bi- He's on the Bills? Okay. He beats so Josh Allen. Oh, God. Uh, that's going to be awesome. But your best offensive mind who, you know, put Joe Burrow in, you know, LSU national champion, greatest football, one of the greatest football teams of all time, LSU Tigers. You know, he won a national championship, and your best offensive mind is gone. Especially early, we're like, oh, gosh, Sam Donald. Sam Donald looks really good. And then it's like, oh, wait, it's Sam Donald. And he reverted back to his old olden ways. Your best offensive mind is gone. And I don't really trust Carolina in really rebuilding the process. Um, what's his name, the head coach, you know, saying how – uh, Jay-Z wasn't great until like 10 years in or seven years in, uh, but it's going to feel like a decade. You don't have a decade in the NFL. I'm just, I'm just saying that right now. 
a lot of teams don't want to give a coach one. Like, they don't want to give a coach one year. They don't want to give a coach at most three years. You Like, it is the NFL. You got to win. You got to win. You got to win. And you take, a, you know, you take three bad years. I'm sorry, bud. You're, you're not going to, you know, not going to be head coach ever again in the NFL. It's very hard to win. But at the same time, you don't have seven years to figure it out. You, you know, they probably got two more years at max to figure out what's going on. I think offensive line is the safest choice. I think next quarterback class with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and others, that, that class is going to be really good. Like, if you're not good, you know, this year, okay, okay. Sit this one out, build an offensive line, build a culture, you know, with, you know, with the interior. Because the most three important positions, quarterback, offensive line, uh, offensive left tackle, and defensive end, defensive pass rusher. They, they, Carolina doesn't have a pass rusher, nor do they have a good offensive line. So, Carolina, build something. Build something. I know they have uh, South Carolina's, uh, my gosh, I'm blanking on everybody in Carolina because nobody stands out. Because the best players are always hurt, Christian McCaffrey. So, Carolina, I think they should go offensive line. Possibly Charles Cross, Evan Neal if he falls, uh, Ikeem out of NC State. They'd be great pickups for the Carolina Panthers. Next up, the Atlanta Falcons. Now, their quarterback, their needs, you know, quarterback is one of them, but also wide receiver, defensive end, tackle, and running back. I believe they pay Marcus Mariota a decent contract. They're going to see how Marcus plays. Marcus and Mitch Trubisky were the top guys in the free agent pool of quarterbacks. That is saying something. And Mitch Trubisky, I don't think is the worst. I don't think he's the worst player of all time. Um, he's got he's definitely have his flaws. But like when you know everything went right, you know, and Steelers could have something with Mitch Trubisky. I'm just saying. But Marcus Mariota, it was Tennessee really before uh, Mike Vrabel and like like real good Mike Vrabel. So he's you know cut, he's you know set back a little bit, kind of fun under radar. Working better, working on his craft, working on film. Because, you know, you're sitting behind Derek Carr. You're not – like, Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. You can learn a lot from him. So, I think Atlanta is going to be patient with uh, Marcus Mariota. I think they are going to go wide receiver if Kayvon Thibodeau has already been picked up. I'll say that now. If Kayvon Thibodeau is there at eight, they pick him up. I believe that. Because Atlanta is going to go for best available at the one or two positions, wide receiver or defensive end. Thibodeau is on the board at eight, which I think that's going to be a stretch. Atlanta picks him up. Wide receiver, they could go Garrett Wilson. They could go Drake London. But I believe it's wide receiver if Thibodeau is off the board. And I believe it's Thibodeau if he's still on. That's where I am with them. I don't think they go quarterback. Even though that's the number one need, they're going to try and and see what Marcus Mariota's got. 
Marcus Mariota could shock everybody. I'm not saying he's, you know, going to win the division. That's, you know, Spencer's goat, Tom Brady. And he's my go-to. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But Atlanta, let's see if you can win six, seven games with Marcus Mariota. Kind of like a Davis Mills. I mean, you're not going to be Patrick Mahomes and blow the stat sheet up, but be a good quarterback, win several games, help Atlanta grow. I think it could be really good. Also, their best wide receiver is suspended for a year because he decided to bet on football games. But um, I don't know if this is just going to be – it's going to be one of those things. I think it's Tibidone if he's still on the board, wide receiver if he's off. The next pick is the New Orleans Saints. They have two first-round picks. Now, they did trade with Carolina uh, – not Carolina – with Philadelphia in a weird – it was a weird uh, kind of trade. So, Philadelphia had three picks. New Orleans had one. Philadelphia's their own first-round pick, like their very own first-round pick, they gave it to New Orleans. New Orleans first round pick, they gave it to Philly, and then Philly gave them another one, another first round pick to New Orleans. Really weird, just really weird, like first round pick, you know, swap. And then Philadelphia got a first round next year from them, um, a second rounder. Uh, New Orleans got a fourth rounder or fifth rounder from them. And um, uh, it was just a weird kind of trade. But anyway, New Orleans has the next pick, which is 16. So, what could the New Orleans Saints do? They need tackle, a wide receiver, since Michael Thomas ain't coming back soon. Quarterback, because, my God, were their quarterbacks an issue after Jameis Winston got hurt. Defensive tackle, and also guard. So, offensive line, wide receiver, and a defensive pass rusher. I think they go O-line here. I think they go O-line first. Then they go wide receiver. So, offensive line, who do they pick up first? They could go Trevor Payne out of Northern Iowa. They could go interior and get Zion Johnson maybe a little bit early. They could go after... You know, maybe even a center, Tower Linderbaum. He's the best center, and it's not even close. Like, there's 12 available centers. There's only one that I really like, and that's Tyler Linderbaum. So, they have a lot of options at 16. Now, I think Akeem's gone. I think Evan's gone. Charles Cross is gone. Trevor Payne could be in and out. You know, he is overall the 25th prospect, but... Offensive line is a big need for a lot of these teams, especially in the AFC. So he could be gone early, but Trevor, potential pick here. And wide receiver, he they could go a lot of different ways. They can go Chris Olave, they can go Jamison, they can go Traylon Burks. Um, I think Garrett Wilson is going to get picked up um, early, top 10. Drake London, top 15, probably a little bit before New Orleans. But it'd be very interesting. I think it's going to go O-line and wide receiver for their first two picks. 
And then, Spencer, it is your second favorite team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They need offensive line help. And I don't think they need help at offensive line. I just think you're protecting, you know, a guy who's in his mid-40s, who's not the most athletic guy in the world. You need to protect him as best as you can. Now, their needs are defensive tackle and tight end and running back and all this stuff. No, they're they're protecting, you know, they're protecting the initials. They're protecting Tom Brady. They, at 27, they could go after Zion Johnson. I think he's the second best guard in this class. They could go after him. If Green Bay decides to go offensive line instead of wide receiver, like I predict, they're going to go with the next best guard, Dylan Parham, Cole Strange out of Chattanooga, Sean Ryan out of UCLA. You know, they're going to go after offensive line to protect the franchise, even though it's probably going to be there for one more year. They got to protect the guy. So I think Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, they're going to go offensive line. And now with the NFC East, the Giants have the first pick in this division. And they actually have two picks before anyone else in that division has one. They have pick five and they have pick seven. They are going to go best available in uh, this class, whoever, whatever it's going to be. So let's say a number five. Let's say, you know, pretend mock draft here. Aiden goes one. Um, Detroit goes after, let's say, Kyle Hamilton. Let's say Houston goes offensive line, Evan Neal. And the fourth overall pick is the New York Jets. Say they go Sauce Garden. Could they go Akeem Okwunu and protect Daniel Jones? Could they go Garrett Wilson and get a wide receiver that, I mean, crap, all the wide receivers kind of sucked last year for Daniel Jones, so that would be very interesting to get. Could they go Thibodeau? Could they go Jermaine Johnson? Could they go N'Kobe Dean, the best linebacker in the class? Could they go Devin Lloyd maybe if they like him a little bit better? Who could they go after? They can go after anybody. But my prediction They are going to go after an offensive lineman. I think they protect Daniel Jones and or if they decide Daniel Jones is not the guy and they try and go after quarterback next season, try and find a left tackle, kind of like I said with, um, you know, the Carolina Panthers. Build that offensive lineup for the next guy. You know this quarterback is not going to stay long term. Get an offensive lineman who can stay long-term, build from there. And the seventh pick, so by the way, five, six, and seven belongs to New York, Carolina, New York. So I think two offensive linemen could go back-to-back with New York and Carolina. I think the Giants then go wide receiver, and they could go after Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson with the New York Giants? That'd be very interesting. That'd be very interesting. So, I think Garrett Wilson could potentially go here. I think N'Kobe Dean, you know, a lot of people kind of question him. 
you know, he's 5'11", you know, he's a big, bulky dude, but he doesn't have that length that everybody loves. You know, he's very capable of matching up with any running back in the backfield, but like, eh, you know, 5'11", you want that for be a running back. You want that to be, you know, a wide receiver height. You don't want that to be a linebacker height. You want that to be 6'3", you know, easy. But Nicobe Dean could have an early call-up in New York. The next pick is Washington. Now, we were looking at, the group and I, we were looking at mock drafts of an NFL analyst. And this NFL analyst decided to say that the best secondary player, Kyle Hamilton, was going to fall to the Washington Commanders at number 11. If that happens, that is the worst pick they can possibly pick up right now. I don't trust this offensive line. I really don't. You lost your best offensive line, lineman to Jacksonville. You have an iffy offensive line already. Charles Leno is a fine left tackle. But other than that, I don't trust this offensive line. I think they go in tenure in interior offensive line. Kenyon Green? I think that would be a very interesting pick right here. I really do. Now, other needs Washington has, wide receiver, linebacker, corner. They could go N'Kobe Dean. They could go Devin Lloyd. They can go, you know, many different ways. Try wide receiver, get Drake London. They could go uh, Quay Walker or Christian Harris. You know, a lot of people are really liking uh, Chad Muma. They could go, a, you know, a bit of different ways. David Ojabo, Nick Benito. They, they got some guys they can go after here, but I believe they go after offensive line. Kenyon Green would not surprise me if Washington goes offensive line. Now, like I mentioned, Philadelphia has two first-round picks after the weird trade they went with New Orleans. Their needs, wide receiver, again. Cornerback, again. Linebacker, again. <laughs> Safety, again. Like, this is the same, like, I feel like I've read the same needs for Philadelphia the last, like, five years. Like, it just feels it's a constant, like, they need a wide receiver. Even though they drafted wide receiver first round the last three years. Are you kidding me? Or three three to four years, they picked up a wide receiver. Do you need another one? Come on, Philadelphia. Holy crap. You got Devontae Smith. Jameson Williams go here? Devontae and Jameson playing on the field. Again, same uniform. I'd be surprised. Also, Trissa Lave could be really well. I think Philadelphia needs kind of a slot guy. Jaheen Dotson out of Penn State. They can go many different ways here. In their next pick, they're probably going to go secondary, I believe. So, Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth. Now, a lot of people are liking Daxton Hill. He's grown on a lot of people. Lewis Sign, he's going to climb up a lot of boards. Jalen Petrie, and the reason why he's growing is because, you know, great combine and really put his name out there. 
fast kind of dude, five eleven. You know, same height as an inside linebacker. Mm. But I think secondary is the pick is the eighteenth overall pick if Philadelphia decides to keep it. Now Dallas, oh, oh Dallas, what are you guys doing at twenty four? Every time I hear a Dallas Cowboy fan, they always say it's their year. But you're at twenty four. You're not at thirty two. You're not at the end of the first round. Jeesh. Dallas Cowboys, they, their needs are tackle. That seems fitting. Defensive end. Yeah, because the defensive player of the year didn't really play defensive end most of the year. Okay. Um, wide receiver. You at one point had, you know, the best wide receiver trio in the NFL. But yes, wide receiver should be the third need. I say sarcastically. Inside linebacker. Okay, that's that, that's kind of fair. You know, Leighton Van Arash is injury prone and defensive tackle because why not? They can't have more defensive players in the first round. <clears throat> They're going to go offensive line because of Tyrone Smith just being older and he's just going to get hurt a lot more. So, again, and I'm saying these names repeatedly. I understand that. Like, not everyone is going to be picked up, especially in – you know, what I'm talking about now of who they could pick up and who could fall at that position. We'll do it. Like I said, we'll do a mock draft, you know, early next week. And we won't have to say, have to say the same names repeatedly. And the second one of these guys is off the board, they're off the board. And you're not going to hear their name again. So they could go Trevor Painting, uh, Bernard Raymond, Abraham Lucas. They need to try and get a left tackle. Or maybe, you know, you maybe like a guy who's not a first-round guy and trying to build him up. You know, trying, you like what you see, the fundamentals are there, but technique is needs to get a little better or something here. And they can go after a guy, you know, kind of like the you know, Las Vegas Raiders do and draft, you know, the worst offensive lineman possible and see, you know, put him starting lineup. They could go, you know. Luke Odecki, Kellen Deesh. You know, I real, I kind of like Max Mitchell a little bit out of Louisiana. He wouldn't be the worst pick. You kind of, you know, it's kind of like a project quarterback, but with offensive line. I think Dallas is going to go offense just because, I mean, geez, you need to try and protect Dak. Smith is in and out of the lineup a lot. They need to try and move off from Tyrone. I'm just saying. And now the West. The final four teams I will talk about for the evening. Seattle picks ninth. They have tackle, defensive end, quarterback, corner, and inside linebacker. They are gonna do they're gonna do the best available. They just are at one of these positions. Now, I think at nine, they could go pass rusher here. I think Aiden Hutchinson could be off. Kayvon Thibodeau, I don't, th- I don't think will be off the board by this time. Trayvon Walker, kind of hit and miss. Everyone's saying, oh, he's great, uh, but he's kind of not. <clears throat> I think Seattle goes Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson, the second 
out of Florida State. You want to try and get an elite pass rusher. Se- Seattle has not had an elite, an elite pass rusher since Cliff Averill. They really have not. Like, KJ Wright, you can say, but, like, he was kind of older after Cliff. They really haven't had that kind of guy. And Jermaine Johnson, 6'5", 254. He's long. He has a really, you know, really good first-step quickness. You know, it, you know, he is such a talented defensive end, and he just stands out. You know, he's a standout kind of guy. You know, character, you know, a lot of these guys have character issues. But I think Jermaine Johnson fit right in in Seattle, and I think he would go there. Arizona, oh, man, do, do they need a lot. They need linebacker, receiver, running back, offensive line. I think they go offense first round to try and, you know, get this Kyler Murray situation under help. Kyler's the guy. What does Kyler want? Does he want a wide receiver? Does he want offensive line help? Does he want a running back to, you know, do all the running plays for him? I think they go with offense. And I'm going to stretch a little bit. I think they could go running back, possibly. You know, Kyler, you know, he's fine with running, but he doesn't want to do all the running. Does Kenny Walker, the best running back available, does he go early? Brees Hall, James Cook, Isaiah Spiller. Here's a guy that a lot of people kind of forget about, Ryan Robinson. I really liked him. I, I think he's very good. That could be a potential pick. It could be a mock draft buster at the running back because no one's saying a running back is a first-round pick. They're saying running back, the best running back, which is Kenny Walker, according to ESPN, is pick 44. That's, you know, almost mid-second-round pick. Could that be a first-round pick, possibly? one of these guys for Arizona possibility the next are the San Francisco 49ers and don't worry we'll get to the most favorite team of all of us you know whether we mock them uh give them crap or give the fan crap uh, not just yet not just yet San Francisco now, they do not have a first-round pick. They do not pick till the almost the end of the second round. 61st pick overall, which is 29th for, um, you know, in that round. 29th pick in the second round. So I can't really say for certain what they'll do. Their needs are cornerback, offensive line, safety, running back, and wide receiver. I can just basically put running back and wide receiver as Debo Samuel, but I can't, you know, that's not a position. There's not a position called the Debo Samuel. But what could they do? Their secondary at times get roasted, and I think that's what they could possibly go after. Could they go after Kilar Elam? There's a great possibility. Mid-second round guy could possibly fall. He would be a nice pickup. Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. You know, he's a big cornerback. 6'4". 
you know, press zone corner with just, you know, you don't see a cornerback that's 6-4, and he's pretty daggum good. So, and he, he was the guy who's a receiver to cornerback, so he knows, you know, how wide receivers think, so he could be a very good addition for San Fran. Also, like I said, a lot of these safeties, you know, they're getting love now, but they could fall. Lewis Sign would not be a bad pick at all. Nick Cross out of Maryland. Um, I kind of like Jakeem Brixter out of Penn State. I like him a little bit more than other guys. JoJo Doman, you know, a 6-1 kind of powerhouse at safety. He's kind of an outside linebacker body, but JoJo could absolutely be a steal for a lot of these, you know, teams. In San Francisco, they could go after them. Now, the final pick of the NFC West, if nobody trades up, nobody trades down. So, Dalton, I said before the show that you that there's a little fun fact with the L.A. Rams. If the L.A. Rams and no one else trades down or trades up, the Rams are the last team to pick first. You know what I mean by that? Uh, you mean by having the... Having their, their first draft pick? Yes, exactly, Dalton. You're so smart, Dalton. Good for you. Thanks, Bubba. That's exactly what I mean. The L.A. Rams, their first draft pick of the NFL draft will be actually two picks, only two picks behind the net, the 31st team, the Miami Dolphins. Miami and the L.A. Rams do not pick until the fourth round. Actually, no, I stand corrected. The very end of the third round. So, Dalton, you are going to potentially have a pick of the L.A. Rams at the end of night two. And will you say, who is this guy? You could. Because they need offensive lineman help. They need linebacker help. And they need a cornerback. So, who could they get? Now, I am not going to make the prediction of who they could get, but I'll I'll make a prediction of what I think they can get. I think they get offensive line. Andrew Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth, excuse me, just retired. Your star left tackle is gone. Now, do the LA Rams trade? They're third, fourth, fifth, all their six and two sevens to potentially go up in the second round, maybe, to get a better offensive lineman. But I think the Rams go offensive line to help Matthew Stafford because, my goodness, you have wide receiver buffet. <coughs> Matthew Stafford has a million different kind of choices. You need some time to kind of pick out what you need. And offensive line would be a very big help, and the LA Rams, I think, will go after offensive line. But that is all I have for the uh, NFL team team needs. And we are going to do, like I said, the mock draft, uh, you know, early next week, potentially Tuesday. But And that's when we are going to dive in on predict who 
they, who all the NFL teams in the first round are going to pick, we will not be picking teams like the Browns, Colts, Dolphins, uh, Broncos, Raiders, Bears, and 49ers and the Rams. And by the way, there's two divisions that actually have a first-round pick you know, for every single team. The NFC South and the NFC East. Every other division has at least somebody not picking night one. Like I said, nobody trades up. So, quite interesting. Eight teams have two first-round picks. So, it's going to be fun. I love the draft. I love this time of year. Let's have some fun with it. Let's have some fun next Tuesday. Hopefully, episode probably dropping early Wednesday morning. Um, you won't want to miss that. But, you know, listen to this episode in its entirety because this is very informative, too. We still got some more information to give, not NFL-related. But Dawn's got some uh, racing information that he wants to dive into. So, Dawn, the floor is yours. Oh, thanks, bud. We'll see if I can uh, if I can handle this racing news after I just witnessed something happen earlier that I'm not so – oh, gosh. I don't want to go into it, but okay. So uh, we'll start with, I guess, Formula One. That's what we got. Not sure last week if we talked about the Australian Grand Prix. We might have. We might have. Uh, I don't remember last week's episode. We probably did, actually. Yeah, that was the Australian Grand Prix was last week. Um, The next race is the 24th in Rome. Yes, I talked about this last week, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it again, but it should be a good race. Please, please watch it. It's at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning, so if you're up doing whatever... Not working, obviously, but doing whatever, having a good time. Turn on the TV to ESPN and watch yourself a Formula One race. You will be so in tune, so entertained. You can't turn off your TV. Take my word for it. I'm not a liar, just strictly a truther. All right. Um, I'm not going to go over the standings and everything again because if you listen to last week's episode you should know okay i'm not just gonna keep feeding you repeated stats all right you the consumer should know what's going on inside of this sport all right moving on to the nascar cup series which had the most recent race between the two sports all right this past series, or this past race was at Bristol on a dirt track. Fellas, it was, you know, kind of slippery. You know, a slip and slide, if you know what I mean. Um, kind of interesting. I was able to catch the end of it. My boy Kyle Busch, who I'm a fan of, was able to come through and win only because uh, towards the very end, it looked like two guys were trying to make a move. Um, I think it was uh, Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe, or might have been Chase Briscoe or Chase Elliott. Um, one of the two chases 
no matter what, they were chasing the top guy, who is Tyler Reddick. And around the fourth turn, the last turn, right before you finish the race, one of the chases went inside and got a little bit too inside. And, you know, then almost himself out. And Tyler Reddick had to adjust. And he could not, could not finish in first. Kyle Busch just slipped in right behind them and finished the race. Checker flag. Yeah, he actually ties Richard Petty for the most seasons. You heard me correct. Seasons with a Cup Series win at 18. Um, Kyle Busch only led one lap. Terrific. Um, Tyler Reddick came in second. Joey Logano uh, came in third. Kyle Larson in fourth. Ryan Bellini in fifth. Alex, back at two and Bowman, did not finish at the top five this week. Some things do change. Doesn't seem to repeat itself this week. Um, to the standings before we go to this next race, this this upcoming race that's this weekend. Chase Elliott still in the first in the Cup standings. Ryan Blaney in second. Joey Logano in third. Will Byron in fourth. Alex Bowman and Kyle Busch tied for fifth. Martin Truex Jr. in seventh. Ross Chastain in 8th, Kyle Larson in ninth, Chess Briscoe in 10th. Other notables. Let me see here. Spencer's boy Austin Sindrick in 14th. Um, we had Kyle's brother Kurt in 20th. Um, let's see. My second favorite driver, Bubba Wallace, what a name, is in uh, 22nd. Um, yes, yes, how lovely. Um, then here, I'm going to talk about Talladega. Um, if anybody knows the movie Talladega Nights, kind of a good movie. Has nothing to do with this, though, I don't think. Um According to ESPN, the defending champ is Brad Keselowski. Um, we'll see if see if he can win, see if he can come away and get a Cup Series win, but I doubt it. Um, I think you want to put your money on uh, Toyota or Ford this weekend. I feel like either or your hands. Um, They've had good performances this season so far. And so if you pick it either either driver, I think you're you're looking good. Now keep in mind Toyota does have the least amount of drivers in the Cub series. Okay. So just think about that as you're making your I mean, I just I just want to just take in everything. Um, um. And I think we're just going to ride with Kyle again. Some people don't like Kyle. He's just a little bit too. Uh, he's just cheats, supposedly. You know, Spencer would know about cheering on somebody who supposedly cheats, allegedly. Okay. Spence, how'd you get through those tough times? You stood your ground, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand my ground and cheer him on. Um. Uh, uh, it'll be a good race for sure. Maybe a few wrecks here and there. Um, but it, the race is Sunday at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for those of you who are not in the Eastern Standard Time.
um, on Fox. So, you know, you should have the Fox channel. If you don't, what are you doing? Get the Fox channel. Watch yourself some NASCAR. You know, I have a friend who says it's just left turns. That's a lie. Well, it's not technically a lie, but it's more than just left turns. It's excitement. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this weekend, and y'all should be too. Go watch these races. Thank you, Dalton. Maybe next week, Dalton will dive into a different form of, or a two weeks, different form of race with horse racing. You want to add that to your segment, Dalton? Yeah, we can add it to my segment. And also, we can add the uh, truck series, since we got a fellow a fellow Kentuckian, um, Ben Rhodes, participating in the truck series. Hey, segment's all yours. I just give you the segment, you plan the entire thing out. And just like this next segment's going to be strictly me because I'm the only one that's watching. Yeah, the NHL um, has a little bit over a week to go, um, depending on what you look at. Because technically, the last game of the season is April 29th. There will be one game between Seattle and Winnipeg on May 2nd. Both teams have been eliminated from playoff contention. So it really doesn't have too much impact on the standings, but, you know, records for, you know, the lottery and the draft positions. That stuff matters. So that game we played May 2nd, that'd be the last game of the season. But yeah, April 29th, April 30th, early morning that day, the brackets will be finalized. It's a little weird how the NHL does it. Because actually go, there's four divisions. Um, they go strictly by division for the most part. It's like top three in each division qualify for the playoffs. There's two wildcard teams, which is the rest of the Eastern or Western Conference. And that can go either way. So you could see five teams in division make it. Um, just kind of depends. The East, all set right now. You have the Florida Panthers, likely the one seed in the Atlantic division. Um, they're up five. With, there's five games left. They're ten points ahead, which, I mean, that would require Florida to lose every single game in regulation. Toronto have to win out for them to even be tied. Uh, I don't see that happening necessarily. Um, for Also, for those that aren't familiar with the point system, if you win, regardless of when the win happens, it's two points. If you lose in overtime or even a shootout, you get one point. Not the biggest fan of that, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, Florida's in the playoffs. Toronto and Tampa Bay. Uh, Boston Boston and Tampa Bay, one game separation between those two. Boston has played one more game to date. So it looks like Tampa is maybe going to edge out, but it's going to be a very exciting finish. To the, to the season for that because Tampa is locked into three. Boston's a wild card team right now. In the Metropolitan Division, you got Carolina and New York tied 108 points, four games to go. Um, Going to be an exciting finish down the stretch. Uh, again, this is why the points system, I think, is dumb because you have New York, the Rangers, 51 wins, um, but Carolina has 50 wins and eight overtime losses, so they get a point for each overtime loss they've suffered. Um, but just as the way the rules are in the NHL for, I don't know, I guess forever. Pittsburgh's in the playoffs, 99 points. Washington, 97. Again, very close. Most teams, you know, four to five. I think the most is like six games left for certain teams. Like Tampa Bay, I know, has six games left. Um, over out west, you have Colorado just running away. They got the one seed in the central division. Minnesota, St. Louis, both locked into the playoff spots there. And then it comes down, you know, the wild card is going to be very fascinating. And I'll even explain more because the Pacific Division, Calgary has locked up a playoff spot. But the wild card race out west, there's so much to be – so many teams up for grab. You have 
Obviously, you got two spots in the Pacific Division that haven't been clinched yet. Um, anything could happen there. And then you have four teams alive for the two wildcard spots. As we stand today, um, the standings would be Calgary's in one at Pacific, Edmonton two, LA Kings three over there. Nashville and Dallas currently have the two wildcard spots, but Vegas and Vancouver just not, not too far behind. Again, like I said, four to five games left for each team. Should be very exciting. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, predict every series because I'm not too much knowledgeable with the NHL to that extensively with, you know, which team has the better goalies. I can look up stats, obviously, but I can at least, you know, read off numbers to you guys. So that's what I'll probably do when the standings come out and we see the playoff bracket. It should be a very fun, um, fun tournament. Stanley Cup playoffs usually has a lot of upsets and, you know, it's Probably my favorite to watch because, A, I'm not super familiar. But if you just look up like, strict, strictly on seating, upsets do tend to happen in the NHL more so than other sports. So that's going to do for our first half of the show. We're going to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we will give our NBA playoffs update. And we're back from our ad break. And we're going to dive straight into the NBA playoffs but before that just a little bit it was a little caught me off guard a bit because i know normally the awards aren't announced until i know the passes was like after the season ended like july it was just like so far removed that nobody cared about the award winners at those points um glad they're announcing it now i didn't think they announced it like this early but my guy marcus smart winning defensive player of the year the first guard since gary Payton in the mid 90s to win nba defensive player of the year like, I saw that, and I was like, this isn't the real award. They don't announce the awards this early. But it is Marcus Smart finally being the, the full-time starting guard for the Celtics. Uh, he's been an all-defensive team a couple times in his career. Uh, in my opinion, much deserved. It's definitely warranted. He's been my favorite player for quite some time in Boston. Yeah, three-time NBA all-defensive first team, 2019-2020. Obviously, going to make it this year because... He was the player of the year. Being out, you know, Mikel Bridges, uh, Gobert, just because, you know, he's a big man. It's been normally dominated by big men, but, you know, for the first time in a while, they go to a guard, and I, I like it because it's a perimeter-based game now. Uh, when they announce the other awards, you know, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Six Man, etc., we'll come on here give our thoughts on those awards. We'll at least announce it. Um, but who knows when those awards will be announced. If it's anything like this, be I guess next Monday we can expect to see some award winner because um, all the votes are tallied up for the most part. Like, you had to turn your ballot in by now, so they they probably know who's winning the awards. They're not going to announce it for a while. Um, but you know what? We'll dive into each playoff series, and there's a few notable injuries that we'll discuss when we get to those matchups and uh, other news and notes. We'll start out west, you know, Phoenix, New Orleans, uh, that series tied at one apiece, and Devin Booker, sideline two to three weeks, so you'll probably be at the rest of the first round series. Uh, if they play, if they make the second round, they'll be out for a few games there, it, I would imagine. Um, I was not, like I said, we all picked Suns and four, so we're all dumbasses for that, just like another series we all said was going to be a sweep. It wasn't. Um Actually, I'm not even surprised in the most fact that New Orleans won a game. You know, like I said, Suns and four, I get, give or take a game. Like, it wouldn't have surprised me if New Orleans won a game. 
And for all we know, Phoenix goes out, wins the next three. It's not even close. The fact that New Orleans won on the road in Phoenix, that surprised me. And again, you can see Booker got injured. I know Booker's a key piece for the Phoenix Suns. Game two, you had Scott Foster officiating, which, again, I'm not a refs guy. Don't like to blame the refs. But it's very weird that 14 straight times that Scott Foster's officiated a game and Chris Paul's played in it, Chris Paul's team has somehow lost the game. Just, just putting out that it's a stat. That is a fact that exists. Um, okay, but it's been a fun series. Hopefully, you know, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder and company can step up. But CJ McCollum, uh, what he's done for New Orleans has been nothing short of amazing. Um, you know, midseason trade and, you know, you know, no one knows what is going on with Zion Williamson, but, you know, they're just like, yeah, you know what? We don't need him. We'll go out and win without him. So let's go, Dalton, next. Your thoughts on Phoenix, New Orleans. Uh, anything you want to say about that series? Hmm, Phoenix, New Orleans. Uh, Yeah, so much for a sweep. Terrific. Uh, I mean, great. It's uh, NBA playoffs, man. You never know what's going to happen. Expect the unexpected, which is why I don't seem to understand why we bet on these games. Excuse me, not bet. Sorry, guys. Listeners, I didn't mean that word, so do not take it like we're huge gamblers because we're not. All right, we're actually not. Um, I don't even know why we predict these games for fun, but come on. The competitiveness in me wants to get every single game right. What? What? It's called content. Content. Perfect. Well, they get to see the content that we're stupid. So, um, wow, I'm just now noticing that the Denver Nuggets Arena is called Ball Arena. Not, definitely not original, but anyway. Um, yeah, this Phoenix Suns series, you know, honestly, at this point, I hope it goes to seven games. Who cares? I hope it goes to seven games and I hope the Pelicans win. There, I said it. I don't care what my prediction says at this point. Uh, I would hope the Pelicans would. It'd be fun for the NBA. It'd be a great upset. And Phoenix fans will be like those Bulls fans in 2011 or 2012 that just said, you know, our starting point guard or starting guard went down with an injury, and that's what we lost the series. That's what's going to happen. Um, anyway, Christian, your thoughts on, you know, the Pelicans, just winning a game, you know, the series, your whole thoughts on that. Um, you know, I'm kind of at the point where I don't care anymore um, because one of my series that I predicted, and we're going to get to it later, um, I predicted we that the team that I picked was going to win in seven games, and they're right now down 3 nothing. Um, So that's awesome. But at the same time, you know, Phoenix, you know, loses Devin Booker. Um, you know, Chris Paul, I don't think he's at 100%. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that Phoenix, they could, they could, you know, if they don't get their stuff together, could be definitely hurting. Uh, I think they'll still be able to finish uh, the New Orleans Pelicans and go on to the next round. But whether they play, whether it's Dallas or Utah, because uh, that series is looking scrappy, uh, they could be in some serious trouble if Devin Booker is not healthy. You know, he doesn't come back soon. Uh, he's supposed to be out for like two to three weeks, which would give him enough time to be back like mid-series if that happens. Um, but right now, I still think Phoenix is going to do fine and they'll be okay. But 
you know, losing Devin Booker, uh, close to the end of the third quarter this past game, uh, it definitely hurts. And uh, they'll definitely miss them in the next couple of weeks. Next yeah. couple of games, excuse me. Yeah, that series set to resume, I believe, tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this on Friday, 9.30 p.m. ESPN. Should be a fun one. Um, also, none of us mentioned Brandon Ingram, who dropped 37 last game. Uh, anyway, Dallas-Utah game currently in progress as we're recording. Utah, um, it appears they're down 17, which, okay, like we'll get to another game earlier. No lead is safe, so um, well, I'm not going to tentatively mark Utah or uh, Dallas, excuse me, up two games to one, but just know that as we're recording, the game is trending to uh, Utah or Dallas, excuse me, I keep saying Utah because they're playing at home. Uh, Dallas going up two games to one right now, but, you know, they split in Dallas. Luka has yet to play this series due to some discomfort, an injury they suffered, um, which this is big. If Dallas can win these games without Luka, and then you add Luka next game or game five, uh, whenever he comes back, that's just going to be a much needed addition. Like if you're Utah, you have to capitalize in these games that Luka Doncic is out. Um, it just you just have to. Uh, like we made our predictions last week. I said Mavs in six. You guys both said Jazz in six. And I think you guys definitely more so than I did accounted for Luka not playing. I definitely did not account for that. Um, Okay, not saying it doesn't matter because who knows how this game's going to end? Who knows how game four is going to go? Uh, again, a lot can happen in the playoffs. It, it's just been a fun series. Donovan's always looking great. Uh, you you know, they're getting the guys to step up for Dallas that they need to have step up. And that's part of why they're, you know, up 13 right now. Let's go, Dahl. Next, your thoughts, Dallas and Utah. Ha ha ha. Another series. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't account for, I guess I just forgot that Spencer Dinwiddie existed. Um, I didn't think that, um, I thought that the Jazz had a huge advantage down low. It doesn't seem like that matters. (laughs) Um, we're... Two games in, correct? Two games in. This is game three. We're two games in, and I feel uneasy about my Jazz pick. I I, I don't know what it is. Luca's not playing. The best player in between two teams, between both teams, the best player is not playing, and I feel uneasy about my Jazz pick now because Dallas has been able to hold their own. Um They've been able to rally around uh, a a really it's I mean their only star is not playing so they have them they have the I mean the roster I guess is just super good super good and they've been playing well they've been playing well despite so that's another series um. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, yep, they're down 12 currently. Well, maybe not 12. I don't know. What does what uh, your all's score say? Uh, no, close commercial break on my end. Okay. Uh, 85-73. All right, so they are down by 12. They are down by 12. Um, terrific. The Mavericks are going to win again, probably. Um, 
yeah um what a year what a year um but we'll see you know maybe maybe the jazz can turn something around spencer hopes they don't but you know christian i definitely hope they do i'm a um, mitchell fan though so i wouldn't i'm not gonna be upset if utah wins a series yeah dude i think i think at one point maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just us not not you and me, Spitz, but me and Christian picking the Jazz. Maybe maybe we think that the Jazz are a lot better than than they actually are. Um, remember a couple of years ago when they just caught everybody off guard and were just absolutely dominating the competition in the playoffs. Um, and you know Donnie was just having having a great series, and they were just taking names in the West. Um, Ah man, something tells me that that's just, it's just not their year this year. Um, kind of early, but you know who knows. I'm doing this every year, so uh, yeah. Initial thoughts. Wow, wow. No Luca, no problem. Yeah, Christian, your thoughts on the uh, Jazz and Mavericks series? Um, we've heard in the last several um years especially after COVID broke out, that Donovan and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were not on the same page. And there's still a lot of stuff coming out how they just do not like each other. And there's a lot of tension in that Utah Jazz locker room. And that potentially we're going to see one of them or possibly both of them leave Utah via trade. Um you know, I, I've seen picks of like Utah getting um, getting rid of Rudy Gobert for Jonas Val, uh, not Jonas, uh, Nikolai Volsevich in Chicago. Um, I've seen Donovan Mitchell possibly get traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which would be very interesting. Um, you know, especially for us, we're closer to Cleveland than Utah, and Donovan Mitchell played at the University of Louisville, so. We would definitely have to do, you know, something like that if Donovan ever got traded to somewhere closer. But there's a lot of issues behind the scenes that are starting to come out, you know, little leaks here and there, uh, you know, leaks in the faucet. So there's a lot of stuff that Utah is just kind of collapsing on itself. And especially after seeing that the fans are booing their team out of the arena pretty much. Like, it, it just seems like Utah is not going to come back and win this series. Um, at You know, at the same – I don't care if I only just get one point this entire daggum thing. Um, but, you know, I thought Luca's injury was going to be a problem. It was in the begin, uh, beginning. Jalen uh, Brunson is just – you know, a god apparently in Dallas without Luka Doncic. Because, I mean, he's got 21 points right now. Everyone thought Spencer Dinwiddie was going to be great. Um, he's 3 of 14. So, you know, Jalen has really carried this team, even though the best player in uh, of, of both teams is still out. So, you know, we didn't definitely didn't count for Jalen being, you know, dropping 41 against Utah at first. So, you know, Dallas is probably going to win this game. They're probably going to, you know, they got, you know, they need to win two more games in order to win the series. So it's big for Dallas right now. 
Yeah. I, I just now realize every single game tonight, Thursday, April 21st, that we're recording, was all Western Conference games as I'm going through this list. Uh, next game we'll go through, game currently also in progress, Golden State-Denver. Uh, Golden State up 11 right now is what I have. Uh, but looking like they're going to go up three games to nothing. Uh, for our sake, Golden State, we all said Warriors. Dalton said Warriors in a sweep. Christian uh, and I both gave the Nuggets one game. Just because, you know, they have the MVP, Nikola Jokic. Game four would be make or break for that series here and there. Um, again, there's not much you can say. Golden State is the better team. Uh, Denver's roster just so injury riddled. Uh, maybe next year they'll be better. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon. Hopefully, Jamal Murray returns. Uh, Porter Jr. You can never count on him though. Um, but you know, Jokic, who you know could be a two-time MVP. But when it's all said and done with this year, where the votes are announced. Uh, listen, I like the Denver team. It's just they're not that good outside Nikola Jokic. Um, and also you're going against the Warriors who have Steph Curry coming off the bench. Like, that tells you how much, A, they trust in Jordan Poole, um, and B, just how good they are that, you know, Steph's it, coming off an injury and he can come off the bench in the playoffs and, you know, again, he'll close out the team. He'll get his starter minutes. It's not like he's not playing. But that is just a testament to how deep Golden State is um, this year. Uh, Stick with the same order. Dalton, your thoughts, Golden State and Denver. Guys, if I screw up everything else, I hope that I get this series correct, both in number of games and winner. Like, I will be – I will hang my hat on this series and this series alone. Um, I thought from the start that Golden State was far and away the better team. And the fact that Steph, like you said, Spence, coming off the bench, they have so many three-point shooters. And in today's game, you have to have three-point shooters. You have to have lots and lots and lots of three-point shooters. You have to have people who can be versatile and be able to get to the rim, pass. Um, uh, You can make the case that they're the most unselfish team in the NBA. And they've shown it for a really, really long time. Um, and so I think, you know, with this team, um, yeah, I, I, I really hope that Golden State pulls off the sweep. No offense to Denver. I just feel like they're literally a Jamal Murray away from making this a very, very, very interesting series. Um, but Jamal can't seem to stay healthy. And... The Nuggets just don't have enough. This was probably the worst, worst possible first-round matchup for the Nuggets because Denver, you know, despite having the former the former MVP um, from last year, they can't seem to match up particularly well with what Golden State has to offer. Um, so, you know, I think... I think this might be – I'm feeling really, really good about this series. Okay. Christian, your thoughts on Denver-Golden State, that series? Um, I hate it for Denver, you know, because Nikolai Jokic is the defending MVP. Uh, Jamal Murray is a very good player. You know, he's been hurt all year after uh, injuring himself. 
you know, in the playoffs last year against the – forget who it was that he played against, uh, Portland. Um, so, you know, Denver has really had to be carried on Jokic's back uh, this entire diagonal season. And, you know, Will Borden has tried to do his part. You know, Aaron Gordon trying to do his. You know, it's just not enough. And, you know, the one solid point guard away – and to being really good, and just that's not that's not Monte Morris. Monte Morris is not as you know versatile as Jamal Murray, not as athletic as Jamal. Uh, it just kind of hurts the entire team when one very good player gets injured. Um, the Warriors are back; they are playing the best that they have in a really long time. Um, even they are not like 100% uh, super healthy themselves. So, you know, you know, Seth Curry is just now coming back. Um, they don't have, you know, you know, Clay Thompson's kind of here and there. And, you know, they're not going to be, you know, the consistent dominant team that we thought they would be. But at the same time, you know, it's awesome for Golden State to, you know, be in uh, this position right now. And right now how Memphis is up and down, how uh, Phoenix could lose, you know, Devin Booker for a little bit. Golden State could, you know, sneak up and seal the West. So it'll be quite interesting. So I was looking back at last year. Um, if you don't recall, because I'm looking this up right now, Denver in the second round they played Phoenix got swept. So they've lost six straight playoff games, trending towards a seven straight playoff loss. Uh, if they were to get swept, and I don't think it would happen because I think you can look at it and be like, yeah, you know, we're injured. Also, the sixty, we're expected to win. Michael Malone could be an interesting name for a potential hot seat guy for next year. I'm again thinking out loud here for a bit. Maybe I'm being a little crazy and you know reactionary, like you know the sports talk media heads that I aspire to be someday. Um, that could be something fascinating to watch um, going forward next year. Uh, if, you know, they get swept this year and they struggle a bit next year, could Malone be on his way out in Denver? Um, this game that we somewhat watched earlier, I know Dalton probably watched a lot more than I did, probably more than Christian did, was Memphis and Tim, the Timberwolves. Timberwolves take a game on the road. Um, everyone overreacts like, oh, this could be a fun series. Minnesota might be able to give Memphis a run for its money because, you know, it's game one. You overreact to stuff. I thought, you know, it could be a definitely a fun series. Game two, Memphis comes out, dominates it start to finish, it seems. Almost 30-point win there. And then tonight, you have Minnesota up by 25-plus, I think, twice. Up 20-plus. They're up 20-plus. Memphis, you know, gets it closer. You think, okay, this is something. Then Minnesota goes back on a run, game of runs. And then, like, I'm I'm watching the um, Golden State, Golden State, the other game that was on da- Dallas-Utah. Mm-hmm. I'm watching that, and then I see, oh, by the way, Memphis has now taken the lead. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Memphis took the lead um, in this game. It, it, it did. And Memphis basically stole a game back on the road, and they now have home court again. But to steal the game away in the fashion they did, it just shows you, you know, they're young. 
They, you know, the, it's, it's a fact. They have the youngest roster in the NBA right now. Desmond Bain, basically out of nowhere, leading scored at like 26 points. Uh, Morant, if you look at his box score, it's not that impressive. You know, 16 points, 518 shooting. Uh, only shot three threes, uh, made one of them. But again, Memphis is not going down easy. I think, again, it's still a fun series. I think it probably will go six or seven, despite my, you know, beginning I said Grizzlies in five. Chris, you said Grizzlies in six. Dolls and T was in six, which is still in play where we stand today. But I, I know Dolan's upset with um, how Minnesota finished the game. So, Dolan, I'll let you be uh, – you can rant as much or as little as you want to. Bro, I'm pissed. I'm so mad. I was watching the entire game. I was like, man, I'm feeling really good about myself. I'm feeling really good. Like, halfway through the third, I'm like, woo, living high on the horse right now. I picked T-Wolves. Nobody else picked it. I'm like, man, they at home too. Ooh, I might have to treat myself to a little something after this game's over. Um, and then they came back and they lost. And I was like, dang, that stinks. My heart hurts. And my friends picked the Grizzlies to win the series. So, man, I'm feeling awful. Feeling awful. I was watching the entire thing, man. I saw, man, this this T-Wolves team. I mean, they got it. Oh, man, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Cat. Boom, 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 boom. Punches everywhere, you know. Attacking the rim, shooting the J, playing good defense. And then I saw them blow the leads, and I was like, what? This ain't football. The Atlanta, uh, the Falcons playing? Um, are you being serious right now? Uh, man. So uh, I was sitting here a little bit shocked, a little bit sad, disappointed, if you will. I'm not even a fan of the team. I just wanted the Minnesota Timberwolves to do good for once. And uh, they won't. So it was worth it for picking the team. But now it just stings. Um, you say it's still in play, Spence. That's the only thing I have going for me currently. It's it's still in play. Um you know, who knows? Maybe maybe the Timberwolves needed to get blown out in game two and then blow two 20-point leads in the same game to uh, get their, get their you-know-what together. Um, it's the freaking playoffs, man. Like, what does Minnesota think? Gosh, can they, like... Oh, I don't know. Hold on to a lead? Sheesh. Sheesh. 20 points. Twice. Twice. Like, what What the H-E-L-L is wrong with you? If I'm their coach, man, I'm, like, breaking my clipboard over my leg. I'm breaking stuff. Like, you can't. That was awful. That was awful. You got co outcoached. Out coached in front of your home crowd twice in the same game. 
gosh. Spence, I'm not done. Okay, I'm just going to take a quick, like, five-second breather. I'm not done yet. I was watching the entire thing, like I said earlier. And, you know, it's really nuts. They kept shooting threes when they were up. Like, you're not Golden State. Does Steph Curry play for your team? No, I don't think so. Maybe my eyes need to be checked, but I don't see a number 30 that says Curry on the back of the jersey or Thompson, you know? Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe a little smart play. Maybe, maybe not taking dumb shots. Maybe playing a little bit of defense. You know, just because you have a 20-point lead doesn't mean you can stop play defense. You got to keep playing defense. That's like part of the game of basketball. You know, I don't know if, if you guys know that, but, you know, that's part of playing basketball. You have to play defense so the other team doesn't score. Whatever. You know, you're only down two to one. And so now you actually have to, like, I don't know, your back's up against the wall. So you got to play a little bit better next time, I guess. You let a dude with the last name of Bane, literally a comic villain, beat you. What in the world? What in the world? John Morant didn't even have that good of a night. Their best player did not even have that good of a night. And you couldn't win. You couldn't win on your own home court. Seven seed, my ass, bro. You don't even deserve to be in the playoffs. Gosh. Gosh. You know what? Memphis can go ahead and take the series. I'm never buying any T-Wolves gear ever. Ever. You will never see me in it. This is ridiculous. Partially my fault because I picked them in the first place. But look, man, I can have a little faith. All right, just a little faith. I thought that maybe this was their year. They got Anthony Edwards. I mean, a great, a good core, kind of like the Grizzlies, man. Good core. The future's bright. But dang, man. That was brutal to watch. I can't imagine the psyche, like the how you must be feeling after just Blowing two huge leads in less than two quarters. Gosh. Man. Ah. <laughs> uh. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe Minnesota bounces back. But I doubt it. Um man, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for these Bane gifts to just pop up. I'm waiting for people to start making Bane jokes in Minnesota about how Bane is taking over the city. Um gosh. Man. That's it. I mean, I'm done. 
I'm done. Oh, um, that was great. Whatever. You guys can just take over now because I know you guys picked the Grizzlies and uh, your alls are obviously still in play as well. But oh, gosh, that was brutal. And and you, Spence, turned it off early. Get the hell out of here. Bull jive. <laughs> freaking ridiculous, man. How dare you? How dare you leave a game? And you're a Patriots fan, for goodness sake. Mr. Odney early, 28 to 3. Yeah, you didn't leave that game early. No, sirree. No, well, you did not. Different, Dalton. And my team was involved. <laughs> Jeez. I don't think I'll ever see a 20 point lead blown twice in one game ever again. Oh, no. It would have been hilarious. Both teams blow a 20 point lead. <laughs> the same team blew it twice. I'd have fired my entire coaching staff. Screw you guys. I just gave Fish an extension. He's not getting fired anytime soon. But... If I if I was A-Rod, I'd find my I'd find me a new coach next year. If you can't game manage any better than that, you shouldn't be a coach. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Y'all can talk now. Okay, Christian. You're... I don't know how you're gonna follow that up, Christian, but the floor is yours. <laughs> Um, I'm not gonna. I'm like the longest NBA rant that Dolan's ever had is gonna be about the shortest little explanation. Um, Memphis, you're lucky that Minnesota sucks, uh, in terms of holding on to the lead. And, um, it, it's it looks like it's gonna be a struggle this series, honestly. This is honestly probably gonna go to six, seven games. Uh, I was just saying, like, oh, Minnesota's good enough as a seven C to win two, but no, they probably will. Uh, they may win three and make this a game seven. So, Memphis, just watch out, man. Now I'm done. That was quick. <laughs> uh, real quick before we – this is the beauty of recording, you know, during the games just because we have, you know, we'd be up early for jobs and other stuff that we can't just wait till the games are over and record. Uh, Utah – not Utah. Yeah, Utah, excuse me, has quickly done to four with nine minutes to go in the game. So, there's still a chance – Utah can go up two games to one. And everything we said a few minutes ago, uh, you can just throw it out the window. Um, but case in point, let's go to the Eastern Conference, starting with the one seed Miami Heat taking on the eight seed Little Hawks. Miami's up two games to none right now, and I I don't I've watched some, not a whole lot of that series, admittedly. Not as much as Christian obviously has. They play tomorrow seven o'clock. Heat have looked good um, by, you know, they're up two games to none. Taking care of business. Uh, Coincidentally scoring 115 in both games that they have taken on. And I'm not even going to try to fake a, a fake take. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I can look up numbers. Like, yeah, Duncan had a great game one. Um, yeah. Trey Young's done great for Minnesota. Atlanta. But, uh, Christian, you're the Heat fan here. So, your uh, takeaways from this series so far. Um. I don't know how we're playing this well. Um, you know, I thought, I, I thought, you know, Atlanta, and they have been given, you know, a good, you know, run against, you know, my Miami Heat, which, you know, is understandable, obviously. But, you know, we were kind of blowing them out early. Uh, we pulled away late, um, you know, Tuesday. So, in Atlanta, it's going to be very – uh, interesting, you know. I think Atlanta, the Atlanta crowd is definitely going to be uh, somewhat of a factor. Hopefully, we can take this game 
know, tomorrow night on Friday night. If we lose, you know, if we lose Sunday, you know, I'm not going to, it's not going to be the end of the world for me. Losing four games straight and losing, that would upset me very much. But we lose game four in Atlanta or, you know, win one, lose one, uh, go home Miami and end the series there. You know, I think that would be, you know, fine. And I did predict five games because I feel like Atlanta in Atlanta, probably even game three tomorrow, you know, they're going to show out for the home crowd and try and, you know, the fans are going to be rowdy over there. So, you know, Right now, it's just let's stay focused. Um, let's take one of these games in Atlanta. We don't need to win the next game. Go home, take a couple days rest, and then try and end it in game five and move on to the next round. All right. Yeah. Now, Dolan, you had the series going seven games. Do you still feel confident in that pick where we stay today with Miami? <laughs> you know, Miami's held their serve. They held home court. Of course, you'd like to do the same thing. So, where do you stand today, Dalton, on your Heat and Seven prediction? And your take on mm. the Heat, Heat and Seven prediction? Wow. Was I high the night that we were doing the predictions? Maybe. Like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Um, like, uh, Heat and Seven? Uh, do I just give these teams too much credit? Uh, do I just give them everything before they can earn anything? Apparently, no. Nah, I think the Heat will take this game, and I, th- I think the Heat will take this game, and I think they'll take the series in four. Um, you think sweet? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But Christian, you shouldn't listen to me because I have the T Wolves winning. So, I mean, it's not, like if T Wolves, you know, held on to it early. I mean, you went on a twenty, you know, minute rant, so you definitely know. But at the exact same time, like. If they held on to their 20-point lead, they would have been just fine and probably would have, you know, probably win this series and, you know, like six. So That's crazy. But we can't live in would-haves and might-have and what if this and that because if we did, who knows? I wouldn't be here recording this with you guys and maybe I'd be somewhere else. Maybe I'd be in the NBA playing right now if I was – Five inches taller and had muscle. But, Christian, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But sadly, we have to live in what has actually happened. And what has actually happened is that the predictions, at least in my uh, side of things, have not been going particularly well. But I think the Heat will win this game. And I think they'll win the series, like I said, in four because I think they just have a better roster. I think mentally the Miami Heat have the edge, and I think the Hawks are done. All right. On to the the next series, the 4-5, Philly-Toronto. Philly, uh, I did not watch yesterday's game because I was, at one, I was working, and two, the Celtics played around the same time, so I was mo- more focused on the Celtics game. So, and uh, just newsflash, Utah could lead on to one now. Um, but it, but anyway, we're at the Philly and um, Toronto. Joe Joel Embiid, who very well could be the MVP this year, hit a, hit a game-winning three with less than a second to go, giving Philly the win. Um, okay, we thought it would be a lot longer series. Well, no, no actually, Dolls says six and five. 
Um, you know, Turok and Hold serve win their next game at home, and then we'll be and they feel it goes back to Philadelphia, win that. I said seven. Christian said Raptors in seven. Uh turned out Matisse Thibel being out one game didn't matter too much in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, if they went to overtime, they still get the win, and that's all you need in overtime, nonetheless. Um so it's maybe can they get the sweep? We'll find out this weekend. Um if they, you know, if Toronto is swept, would be fascinating to see that because I don't really care for Toronto that much. Just you know, division I feel it's a division rival too, but and uh, their fans are just annoying. But that's a little mini rant for me there. Uh, let's go doll next. Philly, Toronto. I think you were watching that game when it happened. So your thoughts on you know the series as a whole. Yesterday's game, could they get the sweep and just whatever else you want to add, Dalton? They for sure can get the sweep, but I hope they, but but I hope they don't. I hope they don't get the sweep. You need, every, you need that extra point. I do. I do need the extra point. I can. T- I need all I can get, Spencer Brown. I need all I can get. I'm in deep doo doo, deep doo doo currently. Okay, um, I am not sitting super well. All right. Um, of course they can get the sweep. Of course they can. They're far and away the better team. But will they? No. No, they won't. I think Toronto wins tomorrow night. They play net. Tomorrow night. Um, no, they don't play tomorrow night. I'm an idiot. They play on Saturday. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I think the Raptors will win on Saturday. But then um, I think I think the 76ers will take the series in five games. Fingers crossed. Oh, great. I'm seeing Timberwolves highlights. All right. I'm, I'm done, guys. I'm going to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to haunt you forever. And you're not even a Timberwolves fan, which is the best part about all this. You have uh, no idea. Uh, Christian, uh, now, you are you going to go on a similar rant? I know you said Raptors in seven. And it looked like it could be a sweep. Could the Raptors go reverse to become the first team to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit? Um, they could, but they won't. Um, I'm not gonna be like Dalton and be like, oh my god, Minnesota, what are you doing? Or, you know, in my case, Toronto, what are you doing? Like I had all this faith with you. I, I really didn't have faith. I just thought, yeah, James Harden, um, he's probably gonna choke in the playoffs like he usually does. Uh he hasn't done it in the first round ever, but you know, so I was, you know, a couple of rounds probably too late. Doc Rivers but, is notorious for blowing 3-1 leads in the playoffs. He is. But at the exact same time, I don't think, you know, Toronto, who, I mean, I was told, you know, by, you know, a fan of theirs that they are like the worst team ever in the NBA. And, you know, they're, you know, they're just an absolute. Just Buddy Bars will hire <laughs> Christian. Yeah. Christian, you have not seen the Oklahoma City Thunder play basketball, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I'm saying the Toronto, uh, the Toronto Raptors fan thought they were. So, you know, I'm just going off of what uh, they said. But anyway, I mean, I, I, did, I did not, you know, expect, you know, you know, they were they were in the lead early, so, you know, Toronto could have done something different and possibly win that game, but they screwed up, you know, at home. So they're probably going to get swept tomorrow night and then, you know, kind of in the series, I'm fine with it. You know, it's not the end of the world if I don't get, 
you know, if I don't win uh, the, you know, the ser- the playoff little series that we have going on. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really bother me. <laughs> yeah. Um, on to Milwaukee, Chicago, another series that us dumbasses thought would be a sweep. Uh, partly for me, I feel like I had read somewhere Caruso was not playing, and I was wrong on that. Uh, like I said, I don't follow Chicago that closely. I thought I read he wasn't playing, but I know I read for a fact Lonzo and Lonzo is not playing in the series. But you know, Chicago was able to steal a game on the road. Uh, it's gonna be it's crazy that like I said, same thing with New Orleans. Not so much surprised that they won a game, it's that they won a game on the road, uh, in a tough environment in Milwaukee. Especially when you know Milwaukee it appeared that you know they kind of you know threw the last game to get the three seed uh, and avoid Brooklyn, which we'll get to Brooklyn a little bit later on. Uh, and now you've lost Chicago, so I, I want Milwaukee to lose it just because, like I said, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But it appeared that you know the last game resting starters to get a quote better matchup. And again, they're the defending champs; they can do whatever the hell they want. They proved last year. They can win coming from the three spot. Um, but I hope Chicago can do it. I hope DeRozan, after you know getting traded by Toronto the year before they win a championship, getting traded for Kawhi Leonard, which can, if you're Toronto, you do that trade, you can get Kawhi Leonard. Um, okay, 41 points for DeRozan. But Giannis is Giannis, and I don't think, I'm not going to say I don't think they're going to win another game, but I, I would not surprise me in the slightest if Milwaukee just, you know, there's a wake-up call. They go up, they win the next three straight. Um, but, you know, Chicago, you're at home. You have home court advantage right now. If you just, you know, split it, go go make it a best of three. Because, nigga, we didn't have expectations. We had no expectations for Chicago this year. I mean, playoffs was like what we thought. You know, play-in tournament, I think, is what we all kind of had in preseason. So, just, you have nothing to lose if you're Chicago. And if you can pull up the upset, that would be – Awesome for you guys as you're trying to build something towards next year with Billy Donovan. Dalton, we'll go to you next. Your thoughts, Chicago and Milwaukee. Well, as a as a former Billy Donovan fan from his days in OKC, uh, I don't expect him to win a first-round series, and especially this one. So I think Milwaukee will take care of business, maybe in lesser in less games than I thought. Well, I don't That's know. Not even possible because you had sweep. Okay, well, awesome. More games than I thought, but one more game. Okay, they'll win in five. Let's not get it twisted. Milwaukee is tougher than Chicago is. They have the better coach. They have the better player. They have the better team. Now, is Chris Middleton going to be healthy for game three? No, no. That's actually what I failed to go about is that Middleton is out the rest of this series, possibly even the second round, which uh, would be good for Boston and Brooklyn. Not because he's injured, because you never wish injury, but it'd be easier in quotation marks for those teams if Milton does not play next round. Okay, so I think that. Oh, that's a, that's a faceful elbow. Um, sorry. Okay, um, like, ah, uh, does that make that a little bit tougher on Milwaukee? Does Chicago take advantage of guard deplete? It uh. On defense, particularly, and Chicago just take advantage because they have more. Oh, how do we put this? Like uh, guards, like they got more guards who can really do some damage on the outside. 
We'll see. But I think Milwaukee is top to bottom probably the better team, and they should win. But as you've seen so far, who should win doesn't always happen. So expect the unexpected. Yeah, I'm trying to figure who's going to have to step up for Middleton um, because, you know, with him being injured, I guess you go multi-guard, you go like three-guard with like Holly Matthews, throw in Conte or Grayson Allen, um, like one of those roles. Maybe go double big with Serge Bobby. Um, there's, a, there's a few. They got options. And, again, uh, Boone Hoser's a great coach. He won a championship last year. He's been coach of the year a couple times in his career. So I figured he'll get something done. Uh, Christian, your thoughts on the you know the Bulls Bucks series being tied at one? Bull, Bulls stole a game on the road. Uh, where do you see the series go from here? Whatever you wanted to uh, talk about, the floor is yours. Um, you know it's awesome that the Bucks are you know as good right. Uh, not the Bucks, the Bulls are this good right now. Um, they start off red hot. You know, kind of like the Cavaliers. Uh, they were able to maintain you know some success to still you know be in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I had full confidence, uh, without Lonzo. And at the time I thought Caruso as well was also hurt. Um, you know, the Bulls being in that kind of situation, I don't think they were going to do really well. Um, uh, I did predict a sweep, even though I kind of thought, oh, they probably can take a game at home. Uh, and now they're going home against Milwaukee and it's going to be, you know, quite interesting how the series could potentially go. I still believe that, you know, uh, the Bucks will win. Um, but I, I'm going to say that the Bucks. I think they're probably going to win in six. I think there's probably going to be one more game that the Bulls win. Um, I don't think it's going to be game three, but, you know, I think they can steal one more game and, uh, you know, you know, make this series a little bit longer for the defending champs. Yeah. On to uh, my favorite series, because I got a rooting interest in it, um, an actual rooting interest in, like, some people were just doing it for selfish reasons to get a seriously, not to mention any names, but if you are listening to this flip, so you know there was a rant earlier um, involving a team and a person on the show. Um, but, you know, Boston and Brooklyn, they've had some great games so far. Two games in. And it's all I could ask for. Uh, again, Boston just just winning for me was what I wanted. And Boston has done that. They're up two games to nothing. Series shifts to Brooklyn. One fantastic game today. I'm with my family. And I, again, I'm not going to miss the game. Like, I, I spend time with my family. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, as the, you know, it's kind of winding down, I'm sneaking downstairs, putting the Celtics game, enjoying the game, screaming. That's what I do as a fan. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely lost it when Tate that layup at the buzzer. Because, again, like a lot of people, I thought Marcus Smart was going to shoot. I thought Jalen Brown was going to shoot it. Um, and then, you know, it was the it was perfect basketball plays. If you're a fan of basketball and ball movement, that last play should make you very happy. Um, yeah, Kyrie, I really do his antics. I'm not getting into that. Don't really care to. Um, Game two, I, I'm watching this game. Um, so I got other things I got to focus on, but you don't have the game ground. And I'm looking, okay, Brooklyn's winning by a lot. It's like, okay, maybe we'll lose a game. And again, like I said, I had five. Um, like I said, I thought 
you know, where's a better team? They it's literally just Katie and Kyrie. Uh, Bruce Brown, he had a great game yesterday. Don't take anything away from him because he is a fantastic player. Uh, but there's no defense. This team is not Brooklyn is not a good defensive team, and it has shown. Uh, especially like I said, Celtics have the defensive player of the year. That is a fact. Now I can say that without you know speculation on the you know, oh Willie. Yeah, Smart was the defensive player of the year this year. Uh, he's locking down guys like Kyrie Irving and others. Um, uh, no one really like you know, exploded on the score sheet, the stat sheet for the Celtics. Uh, I mean, Jalen Brown had twenty two. Uh, you know, Grant Williams, Payne Pritchard, both had some great clutch shots that helped Boston out yesterday. Um, hey, we're up to you guys. I, I just want us to split Brooklyn. I love ideally first take game three. It doesn't matter to me if this game three, game four, healthy sweep them. I'll, I'll take that too, obviously speaking. Uh, I just want the fewest games possible. I'll be happy. But yeah, just go to Brooklyn, split those two games, at least get the split. Uh, come back to Boston and close down game five, and I'll get my two points. Uh, that now, selfishly speaking, that's what I want there, too. But again, I'm just glad, like, we all had this Celtics, we all had different games. Uh, Dawn had six, Christian had seven. Okay. Anything can happen because all Boston has done right now is hold home court. Um, could we see every home team win? That's definitely a possibility. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Uh, we'll go Dawn next. Your thoughts, Celtics? Uh, net series so far. It's good. Good, good, good. There should be no reason why there isn't a sweep here. I mean, come on. Celtics have the better coach. Even though I like Steve Nash, they have the better coach. Um, Ime Adoku. Adoka. Yeah. Um, they have better players, overall players. I mean, DPOY, Marcus Smart. Just an absolute monster, taking charges, taking names, stealing the ball, blocking it, whatever. You know how they do it. Um, it's just, it feels it feels like Boston's going to win this series. It just feels like it. It feels like they'll win it in less games than we all expected. All right. Christian, your thoughts on the uh, the series so far, Celtics Nets? Um, this is by far the most entertaining series of the entire NBA playoffs right now. Um, a tremendous game, you know, an amazing game one. Um, you know, game two just as exciting. Um, you know, with Boston being in the uh, not Boston, Brooklyn being in the lead, and everyone's like, "Well, uh, you know, Brooklyn's got this game, so it's gonna it's probably gonna go down to seven. You know. Boston needs to win at Brooklyn to make this kind of a, you know, closer series to possibly win it. But, you know, Boston is 2-0 and right now. Um, and this is what's, what I was kind of fearing in my, you know, my prediction. I think, it, I think Brooklyn can win these next several games. Ben Simmons is supposed to come back in game four, uh, which would be a definite big help for them and throw a little wrench in the sink for Boston. He's like, okay, we can handle KD and Kyrie. How can we handle Ben? Even though Boston's a great defensive team, Ben Simmons, we haven't really seen him. How much is he going to play? How much is a factor he's going to play? It's still going to be a big question. But right now, Boston is in full control right now. They're doing very well. Uh, It's going to be a very, very interesting series. 
you know, that continues tomorrow night. I will say this. If Ben Simmons, which, again, I, I, I forgot to mention that is beyond me. But it was reported today, Sham Sharania, that Ben is targeting game four. If it's 3 nothing, and you throw Ben in a game four, I just feel like, you know, I don't want to make light of mental health. But it seems like, you know, you've had a lot of mental health um, things, you, you know, getting in the right middle space. I know Philly definitely messed with them a bit. It just seems like a 3-0 deficit in front of a Brooklyn, which, again, Brooklyn's not, you know, the best, quote, fans. They don't, they're not, like, as obnoxious, you know, Philly is. But in a 3-0 deficit and you come in and you, you know, don't perform – it, it could definitely take a toll on him. But Ben Simmons, offensively, like he'll, you know, he could get 10 points or so. Nothing take, don't take anything. Don't want to take anything away from him. It, the defense, though, is tremendous. And I think he can, you know, stop a guy like Tatum, like Brown, especially when we don't have Robert Williams. So I think if, you know, if Ben comes back, it is going to be a positive for Brooklyn. It's a guy that Boston has not been playing for, unfortunately. Yudoka says much in his press conference, you know, we were not expecting him to play we're not going to focus on that until it becomes a possibility. And it is becoming a possibility right now. So I imagine they you're focusing on game. They will also try to game plan for Ben Simmons, whatever capacity we see of him. Um, before we get out of here, Dole and I need to get your thoughts on this. Um, Jay Wright, the head coach, has announced his retirement from coaching basketball. Jay Wright, 60 years old. I was a little surprised when I saw the news. Um, but he, he's stepping aside from Villanova. He's been there for 21 years. Was at Hofstra before then. through. I mean, technically Churchville, which I guess is like right outside Philly. I'm not sure with my Pennsylvania geography, so don't get mad at me for that. Uh, but, you know, two-time champion, 2016-2018. Four Final Fours, including this past year. Um, crazy enough, you got two coaches that were in the Final Four. Um, both of them, ironically, that lost the game. Are stepping aside from coaching. Um, they've t- they've um, tapped Kyle Neptune, who was at Forum this past year. Previously was in Villanova assistant coach from 2013 to 2021. Um, went to Fordham for a year. Had a 16 and 16 year. Not the most impressive record, but you know, year one in a new system definitely sucks for them that they're losing a coach. That you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some people in the transfer portal. But similarly, like has session plan in place. Should Jay Wright call it a career? Definitely we're gonna be losing one of the all-time greats. It is a fascinating college basketball next year. You have Coach K, no Roy Williams, no Jay Wright now. We know that. Um so who's the you know the top coach per se? You can argue Bill Self. Yeah, Bill Self. Argue among yourself. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna again Bill Self just won a championship, so he's probably the top coach right now. Um but yeah, Dawn, your thoughts, you know, um Jay Wright decided to call it a career right now. Sometimes you have to do. And, um, you know, he won two national titles and he's been to many Final Fours and he's one of the better coaches, the one of the better college basketball coaches that we've had in the past 20 years. And so I think, you know, Villanova, they, they got to bounce back from this and, you know, it's a personal decision and, we should respect his decision. If he's in his, you know, he's in his sixties, he's he's done his time per se. If you if you if you want to say it like that, and um, yeah, I mean now he's just chilling. Uh, he's his his next 
Uh, his next calling, I guess, would be watching it from the sidelines, watching it from the stands, and you know, what if he's gonna be a broadcaster with some or team? or or a broadcaster? You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he's a broadcaster for Villanova games. Who knows? Um, so, I uh, look at his career record. He won twenty games every year from twenty twelve to his retirement, with the exception of you know 2020, 2021 because of. COVID, they only played 25 games, went 18 7. I'm still a great record that way. Um, that way. But again, right, be missed. Definitely going to be interesting. I think Villanova, you know, they have the great, um, like I said, with this show, we talked, you know, Jalen Brunson's great Villanova guy. Lowry, who gets forgotten because he was, was a Villanova early uh, or like middle of Jay Wright's coaching career there. Um, but Villanova has produced some studs in the NBA lately. And I expect it to continue under Kyle Neptune. Oh, my boy Danny Ainge in attendance at the Utah game because he's now got a role in their front office. Um, Yeah, before we get out of here, I also want to mention uh, Utah, they got to one point, did not matter. Dallas is pulling away in that game. Golden State in a one-point game as we finish. By the time you're listening to this, that game will probably be over. Um, So, yeah, that's just all we have now. Um, Anything else you guys want to add before we get out? You know, stay tuned for the – you know, our mock draft next week, it's more likely going to be Tuesday. Uh, stay, for, stay tuned for that and, you know, listen to our predictions of who we think is going to get picked up by these NFL teams. Watch watch the races, please. If you don't want to watch the playoffs, watch the races at least. That's what I'll be doing. And, I mean, yeah, it's the one race is 9 a.m. though, so. 9 a.m., wake up at 8.30, set an alarm. Come on, guys. If I can do oh, it, you can do it. Okay. Oh boy, Denver has the lead. Uh, again, there's six minutes to go in the third quarter. So, okay, we'll, we'll, we don't need to focus on that game anymore because uh, you guys don't care because you guys have already seen how this game I ended. I do care. I do okay. care, Spence. You, the listeners are listening to it on a Friday when this game's already over. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you're saying, like, oh, yeah, this game is possibly going to be over. There's no way it goes, like, to a million overtimes to, you know, finish before Friday. <laughs> anyway, I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. And I'm Christian Ernst. So thanks for listening out of bounce and enjoy the rest of your day.